Hello and welcome back to Black Oak Couch Reviews. I'm your host, Christina. We are back for another episode of Preacher. This is episode two of season one, entitled C. It was written once again by Sam Catlin and directed by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Premiered June 5th of 2016. And I will say I did not enjoy this episode as much as the premiere. I gave it a 7.7 out of 10. I wanted to like it a lot more, but I found myself struggling a little bit to really stay engaged throughout the entire story arc. We'll go ahead and jump into the recap. Uh, This episode starts in 1881. A child lays in bed sleeping and sick from the dust. Now, if you've watched anything about the Dust Bowl or there's uh, been a lot of, you know, about settling in the West, about how this fine dust gets into your lungs. And we hear that the mom is coughing, too. The child smiles as she sees her father, but he is very stoic, has a very uh, mean disposition, choosing not to take his guns as he sets out to get medicine some days away in town, in the town of Ratwater. He spends the night first alone, then with a group of prairie men and women who are determined to get what is righteously owed from them, or owed to them, from this land, and wants the man to agree. He does not. Fuck you! Fuck you, and you, and you. The next day... He sees Native Americans hung up from trees with their scalps removed. This actually was a Native American tradition upon their enemies adopted by Europeans because there's not a thing in the world they're not going to try to steal. Currently in the town of Sweetwater, play on words there, Jesse is baptizing his congregation while two mysterious cowboys watch. This is Fior and DeBlanc. I'm not sure it said it, but it says it in the subtitle, so I feel comfortable enough telling you their names. Tulip shows up to be dunked, telling him, Jesse, it's time to go to work, but he tells her no once again. She says, meantime, thanks for getting me all wet. Emily gets all jealous and asks about her, which Jesse stays non-committal on. She then tries to make cappuccino for the after church congregation thing they got going on, but fails with Miles wanting to help, but she continues to be an ass to that man. And he is the only man that knows that you exist. You fucking bitch, why you bully me? Everyone asking. Cassidy makes up excuses for the need to get some money, finally admitting that he's dangerously low on drugs and could get desperate. Emily tells Jesse, your friend may be fun, but he's gotta go. He says he'll talk to him as the guests discuss Tim's untimely death. Apparently ripping your heart out, one can understand. But in front of your mother, that's weird. Cassidy then causes a ruckus, freaking out at the sight of Eugene's face. Like he's got to walk around with an arsehole for a face and ask Jesse what happens. Uh, what happened? He says shotgun blast. Jesse asks him to stay out of trouble as he likes having him around and it would be a shame if he had to let him go. Linus confesses to Jesse he is having impure thoughts about a child. That's Sylvester from Westworld, which caused Jesse to become angry, but he tells him he'll be forgiven if he doesn't act on these urges and forgets them 
like that somehow fixes the problem he should be required by law to tell law enforcement and this is why oh this needs to stay between us because it's confession and thus confidential why so many pedophiles are in the catholic church shake my hand yes if i'm trying to do my preacher thing but hell no to the hug because you nasty and quite frankly he should have been at least alerting the school or keeping an eye on him to see and make sure this motherfucker is not doing anything considering he's a bus driver jesus fucking christ later on while having a smoke he yells quiet to the dogs that have been constantly barking up until this point using an altered type of voice he says quiet and there's no more sound next day we see q m and p ken cannon meet and packing with ken cannon himself heading towards a home he intends to buy heavily squatted out with all of his employees they force the tenants to sell their land which is immediately torn down or the house is after they've placed their john hancock donnie feels embarrassed and abuses his fellow co-worker because he's got one arm and he's struggling while at the supermarket spreading the word via flyers jesse sees the school bus and has a pang of regret because it's haunting him and he wants to do something about it like stomp that nigger out right there when he gets back to his car his steering wheel is missing and is hanging from a street lamp tulip means business as she rolls up in her car calling his job boring as hell because she's been watching him and then says what's wrong preacher jesus take your wheel this is what she means by meantime he get back he gets back to the church and starts to drink with cassidy who doesn't believe god just took some time out of his busy day and decided to pick him out especially to do the most boring dumbass job ever jesse tells him a selfish life ain't it but cass calls it an honest one cass also counters with how he is a hypocrite considering his actions in the bar but jesse remains staunch that his corrupt life makes him a goddamn loser and that boring isn't the worst thing to be he mentions being one of the good guys and this is something we saw his dad tell him before he died so clearly that is his motivation cassidy tells him boring is the worst and wonders who taught him how to fight he admits it was not his father someone else that has a story behind it but he's not telling he says we don't know anything about you cassidy well we being us the audience cassidy admits that he's a 119 year old vampire from dublin but jesse doesn't believe him he tells him his life can be fun sometimes and he thinks the big lebowski is overrated jesse liked the movie but he admits that before passing out on one sip of cassidy's moonshine which he tried to warn him was not for humans he takes his keys and his wallet and dips in it for all intents and purposes looks as if especially with them arguing that he just abandoned this guy and ran off on him but he only went to the store to get something to drink <laughs> at the sundowner the two cowboys gear up fior and de blanc scaring the housekeeper that just wanted to offer some tiles when she realizes that fior is packing 
They find Jesse at the church passed out and try a song to lure the thing inside of him out, which we got a good close-up of. When that fails, they decide to use the chainsaw to scoop him on out of there. They are stopped just in time by Cassidy, who engages in a brutal fight with the duo, saving Jesse, except Cassidy thinks that he is the one that brought them there. At Toadvine Whorehouse, Priscilla Jean aka tulip plays poker with some meatpacking employees taking all of clive's money he intends to take his anger out on one lacy although the madam does warn to be gentle a man nearby laughs when she inquires about walter and how he's a consistent drunk and stops laughing when tulip tells the story about how he went through a park into a zoo killing two kids and a billy goat isn't that funny? She gets a call from Danny about an exchange. Cassidy cleans up the mess just in time to greet the morning, where he unfortunately cannot bury the bodies. Emily kicks Jesse awake and continues to complain about Cassidy and his commitment to his appointments. She said it smells like death in here, and he looked at her casserole. Oh no, he didn't! Jesse, not even knowing who he was visiting, finds out he's visiting Mrs. Loach, who doesn't want the preacher's pretty words because he really tried to act as if he knew what it felt like. He is, in my mind, projecting about the pain, how it's consuming, but that's not her pain. And she says it's not going to help her daughter wake up as she is putting on some type of concealer. And she takes her wig off to show that she has a huge hole in her head. He drives home late to be stopped in the middle of the road by a car seat, then gets tasered by Tulip, who puts him in a room seemingly chained to a chair. This apparently used to be a role-playing game between the two. She tells him that she plans to sell a map to get some information that Jesse claims not to give a shit about, but she has no intention of doing the job without him getting physical to try to persuade him when he is not persuaded she shows that he was not uh chained up after all meaning you could have got your ass up any point in time if you try hard enough eugene comes to speak with jesse who's really not in the mood about how he can't hear god but it inspires him to finally go after linus by breaking into his home assaulting him and putting his face in burning hot water in an effort to get him to forget her while this is vigilante justice i don't abhor he also could have just did his job if he wanted to be a preacher and told law enforcement or and the school he uses his power and is finally aware that he has used his power when linus doesn't know what girl he is talking about Cass buries the bodies of fior and de blanc but lo and behold both men show up to speak with the sheriff ruth in their hotel room saying that they are from the government so they seem to be some type of immortal creature the next morning jesse goes back to mrs loach home to say that he wants to pray with the daughter which she allows bitterly but he tells her to wake up and the episode ends i'm not sure this is a good idea telling someone to wake up <laughs> It's not going to fix their brain damage. <laughs> it's not going to make them a whole person once again. 
and it's kind of sort of feeling like cheating like this mrs loves clearly she's not a believer and by doing this act he's making it so she becomes a believer and that's not one way to turn your congregation you work on them not take the easy way out and this immediately feels like the easy way out not a lot to say about this episode as i stated wasn't one of my favorites but we did get a little bit more information um we finally got grand mctavish character being introduced i won't give him his name because the show is going to do that for me so with that lingering ending thought <laughs> let's jump into the feedback i believe we have some for shy so let's see how she thought about the second episode Christina is me shy I am here to talk about preacher episode 2 um yeah this one <laughs> oh yeah I listened to your podcast and I did not catch on to the fact that um Cassidy was a vampire I'm like and even in this episode you know i mean of course he finally said what he was um and preacher didn't quite believe him of course and that's to me it's like see this is what i'm talking about this is a normal reaction to someone saying something so bizarre it's like yeah right whatever but um how the episode started off kind of strange i'm not quite under i didn't quite get the 1881 scene with the um, mom and daughter and the guy and then him going off to somewhere and ending up at some campsite uh, with a bunch of uh, settlers I'm guessing and then the next day there's some um, Native Americans hanging up strung up by a tree um, after being executed lynched or however you want to say it i didn't quite understand where we're going with that um i'm guessing that's gonna come back at some point because i didn't get to tie into what went on in present day um but uh we found out at least i found out that uh eugene um shot himself in the face that's how his face ended up the way it did and i'm trying to figure out like what is he wanting what was he wanting from the baptism to not have suicidal thoughts or like what is i'm not quite understanding what he's wanting did i miss that from the first episode um what he's wanting god to take away from him or deliver him from his thoughts of suicide or i don't know Maybe you can um, shed some light on that. Uh, I might have missed that. Um, then we have Linus, the um, pedophile, nasty, nasty ass pedophile. Um, and of course, of course, he's a bus driver. Why, why not? You know, so he's around temptation when he's talking about his urges. 
Oh, I'm like, dude. <laughs> I was so waiting to see what he's gonna do. I'm like, I was kind of hoping that you know, a little something, something to get chopped off. But I guess this is fine too. Him taking the memory away, the urges away. So that'll work. Um, I'm good with that. But I was like, for a minute there, when he went to the house. I was so scared that that girl was going to be there. I'm like, okay. Um, of course, I'm thinking, you know, if she was there, I'm sure her parents would be looking for her. And it's a small town. So, but still, I mean, it was just that tense of a scene, in my opinion, for me. Um, so, question What's up with the dog barking? I know there's some significance to that. Does that mean the presence of the entity is there? Um, is that what it is? Is that why we saw that beginning scene in 1881? The guy is possessed by this entity? I don't know. I, I don't... I, I, you know, I just know that we keep hearing the dog barkings. So that must mean something. And then he screamed for the dog to be quiet. And it did. So I'm sure that'll be explained. Um, so Cassidy tells us that these are vampire hunting religious vigilantes. So that's interesting. Um, and of course we saw what happened at the end. So they, now you know, I'm like, what the hell? I don't understand that <laughs> what's happening. So they get just like, they're like, cause he buried them. So a new version they can resurrect themselves or they duplicate themselves uh, i don't know obviously that's something to be found out and um you know cassidy he did crack me up when he was talking about uh, his plan for me is to tell you his plan for you is dumb and boring <laughs> or something along those lines like okay <laughs> So, yes, I'm definitely um, warming up to this version. I mean, he's still a little crass and, you know, he has Rudy-ish ways about him. But it's definitely a lot better for sure. Um, and maybe just like with um, Nathan, um, I've gotten familiar with him on another show. And so now that he's on this show and there's some similarities, I'm not saying he's the exact same, that I, he's warmed up to me. Um what else oh yeah that scene in the church oh gosh I, I'm sorry I clo I'm told you I'm not good with gross stuff I'm not good with gore I'm not good with any of that stuff so I closed my eyes for a lot of that and like when I felt like something gross was about to happen so yeah I didn't see a lot of that scene I, I saw the end when you know he's laying with blood everywhere and there's an arm with the saw like oh my god thank god i closed my eyes for that so yes i am a wimp i can't i can't do it i'm still trying to figure out like what is his angle like why is he there i mean there is a reason why he happened to be there and then i'm wondering like how i'm like cassie how are they hunting tracking him down because that is interesting and i'm wondering why he doesn't leave i mean i guess he thought he killed him I, I don't know but still um so we see that preacher is 
starting to realize his powers after what he did with um, Linus. And so he went to the girl, what's her name, Tracy, right? Um, I guess he's trying to cheer her as well. So, of course, it went off before we can see that. So I'm not sure if it worked or not. Um, so I don't know if it has to be something that happens by accident or if he can hone those skills. So the entity is allowing him to invade people's mind or get them to do things or get things to happen that I don't know uh that's still a work in progress in my mind um then we have Tulip who's trying to get is trying to she is she trying to get Preacher to find some treasure somewhere some buried treasure um yeah not quite sure what's going on with that uh why she's so hell bent on getting him to join her and getting him to uh go back to his old ways so i know there's a story behind that and a story with behind her the way she is so not quite understanding why she's you know so determined and it really makes me curious about what his all his skills are because i feel like we're just scratched the surface of what he can do because we definitely know he can kick some serious behinds but outside of that i'm sure there's more to it than that maybe his uh the way he thinks he has an intellect or he's cunning or very good good at being a con artist i don't know so that's something that we'll find out i'm sure well i like i said i listened to your podcast so i got a little bit more understanding of what's supposed to happen i did not know this was a comic book um adaptation from a comic book um so i'm very interested in seeing these three come together this trio do their thing at some point whatever that is supposed to be (laughs) and um yeah just yeah very curious about these vigilante people they're definitely some type of supernatural force and very interested in how that goes i didn't understand that you know at first when they were singing i was like okay (laughs) but then i'm like oh i guess they're trying to sing the demon out of them i i don't know whatever that was that's some type of ritual thing they were doing to get the thing i don't i have no idea i'm i'm just assuming on that point um but yeah that's it um i enjoyed this episode it was a little it was a slow slower pace no what's last episode i don't maybe it's the same but anyway but i i i mean i enjoyed that because I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's going on so <laughs> i don't want too much to be going on at once because i'll just get confused and not know what the heck's going on so i'm glad it's slowly ramping up to something and can't wait to see this dynamic um but preacher and tulip and then we're seeing cassidy and um preacher which i'm liking their little dynamic so very curious how this is gonna go so that's all i got um until next time much love peace and black girl magic queen of the couch shy that was shy with her thoughts on the episode really good questions asking the right questions about what is actually going on 
Uh, some things I can't answer, of course, because we haven't gotten those. But um, I will say they did drop a lot of clues in this episode in particular. If one knew where to look. Um, the 1881 scene isn't finished and will continue, so I won't say much more about that. Other than I think the biggest correlation I would think is uh, we've seen them drink wet water. Rat water whiskey in the bar in the first episode and we know that there's a town called rat water and we're in Sweetwater. i believe we're in Sweetwater. i mean no maybe i'm thinking of um fucking <laughs> i am i'm thinking westworld we're not in Sweetwater. <laughs> oh god that's hilarious cross too many shows too many shows going on right now so yeah, I would think the biggest thing is to pay attention to the, the, the name or the fact that this is a town and something seems to be going down in this town. Um, I won't say much more. Uh, I will say, yeah, while it is the natural reaction to be like, yeah, right, you're not a vampire. As a man of God, you should believe it all. That's my humble opinion. If you believe that someone turned water in the Rhine, then you know that someone can exist that is immortal and is a creature of the night. There's demons. They have powers. I believe that's so weird about people when they're talking. They're like, yeah, I don't believe in the demon and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, but you believe in the other part. I don't get it. And uh, Eugene, he wants to be forgiven. He tried to kill himself, which is a sin. And he hasn't been able to, he was someone who was religious up until it would seem this moment. And he's just trying to find that religious zeal once again. And he's just been pretending as if he's been baptized. Now, I forgot the part where he was called a murderer in this episode when he was leaving the church. His father, Sheriff Root, said who said that. And he said, let's just go. And it wasn't followed up on. But that indicates something else maybe possibly have happened. Maybe it's connected to someone else who may possibly have a bullet wound in their head. I can go all into about how pedophiles should be treated without any event horizon. Meaning basically urges without A. Not being a fucking bus driver. <laughs> and B. Um... Um, what was my other thing? Oh, without like actually have committing the crime. Because I did a whole paper on this. It's actually very fascinating. <laughs> it was a college paper I did. And it was because I always like writing papers on very abstract, just out there. And I, I, I got on pedophiles. And there is like chemical treatment for chemical castration if not actual castration because you were saying cut off his little penis but technically having urges is just like every other urge and i know people go like oh but it's children newsflash up until about fucking the last century we were fucking children your ancestors were fucking were pedophiles most likely in your definition of pedophile in the world your family and your ancestors were most likely pedophiles because people literally gave birth at like 14, 15 years old. What, do you thought they really courted all? No, they were pedophiles. So it's almost like this um, genetic marker that kind of goes back a lot further 
and it's just a fascinating subject if you're inclined to go there now i'm not of course advertising pedophilia (laughs) however um it just clicked in my mind that was your immediate reaction that he's having urges thus his shit should be snipped off like taken off surgically and i don't know if we necessarily have the right to feel that way because what if you could not control your urge to like bite your lips or twirl your hair like think of urges whether good or bad some are awful even against societal ideas but think how easy it is to you know want to just give that up like hey take my penis because i i have an urge that's not for society i would think he would try to find treatment for it first (laughs) before we go to such an extreme that's my two cents about that like i can't believe this bitch defended pedophile i didn't i didn't defend pedophilia I, def- I defended the, not defended, but I explored the avenue of emotional, psychological, and actual treatment ideas of someone with a pedophilic psyche. <laughs> um, and that's Cass's guess that they're after him, that they're vampire hunters. There's actually been no confirmation of that. Cassidy gets even better I will say as a character as the show goes on he is my favorite character uh even above Tulip because he's just man he's he's just a he's a shine shining bright beacon of a character uh Cass was also told to lay low in this town that's why he hasn't left and he's broke (laughs) and then Tulip made a bazooka by scratch so I think she's definitely capable of handling things on her own she just wants to and she's exchanging a map for some additional information it's the information she wants she doesn't want anything to do with the said map so that's a little bit of clarification there and that is it on our feedback for this week if you want to join in our next conversation blackoutcouch.gmail.com you can send uh feedback in as written or audio format 10 minutes or less Social media will be below. Remember to like, share, subscribe, or you can leave a comment below as well. That could be read on the podcast. If you have time, run over to iTunes, rate the podcast, leave a review. Until next time, peace, hair grease, and black girl magic. <laughs>